I'm Anahi, award-winning US and European certified floral designer, entrepreneur, and your host to Viva La Floral Live podcast. If you are a florist, floral farmer, floral business owner, or simply a floral enthusiast, you are in the right place, my friend. We help you by providing insights through industry professionals, their stories, and useful tips. We bring you the art and business of flowers. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, so today's guest honestly needs no introduction, really, but we're going to do it anyway. So I have Joey from Alexandra Garden Rose Farm. Need I say more? Probably not, right? First of all, before we jump into this interview, you know, honestly, my cheeks were hurting from smiling the whole time I was listening this man talk about flowers. I call them his flower children, really. He was just so passionate, loves what he does. It is so obvious, you know, and I think ultimately that is the key to success, right? If you really, truly put your heart and soul into what you do, you create something really spectacular and amazing like this Garden Roses that they do create in their farm, you know? So uh, yeah, be sure to check out our show notes after the show, after you listen to this conversation, make sure you check out the Alexander Garden Rose uh, Flower Competition that is happening now and also EMC event coming up July um, uh, 13 and 14. It's the first EMC Go Live event where Joey is going to be part of the panel, you know, discussing some of the post-COVID, you know, strategies and also really what the future holds for the industry. But anyways, I'm going to stop talking. We're going to jump into this interview. I had an amazing time and I really hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Hi, Joey. Welcome to the show. Hi, Anaid. It's nice to be here. Oh, I am so, 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 so excited to talk to you. I've been wanting to talk to you for quite some time. Needless to say, I want to come visit your farm for, you know, always since the minute I found out about it, right? Honestly, I don't think you need any introduction. Honestly, I don't think Alexandria Farm needs any introduction or Garden Roses for that matter, right? But here we are. So for any florist who's listening to us right now who has no clue what we're talking about, man, you're missing out a lot. Go immediately check out Alexandria Garden Rose Farm and Yes. And then when your chin gets peeled off the floor, come back and listen to us again. So there you go. Hi, Joey. <laughs> it's alexandrafarms.com. Alexandra. There you go. We started in 2006 yes. testing some David Austin varieties, which had just come out to the market. Right. And it was really the first professionally trialed test of sending garden roses for the cut flower market with the shipping life and the vase life that florists need in order for a rose to be Mm -hmm. A cut flower. Right. Um, that was 2006. Should I go into that part? Go for it. Yes. I, I actually was going to say, <laughs> can you tell me where did this begin and why you chose this particular avenue? I mean, you could have grown all kinds of flowers, you know, where you're at. So, you know. Well, I was working for Delaware Valley at the time, mm -hmm. but I had been in the business for 15 years before that, growing mini carnations, working for importers, uh, working for Gerald Stevens, a retail roll-up that occurred in the early 2000s, right. late 1990s. Um, but at the time I was working at, at, at Delaware Valley, they have an importer in Miami called Flower Transfer that would sell flowers like an importer does. Right. And we had a small garden rose, a French garden rose farm in Ecuador. Mm -hmm. And I say French because one of the main partners was a breeder from France called Mayant. Um, and they sent us these varieties that were so beautiful and so fragrant, but so short-lived. Right. Um, and our customers all had interest in the product and we thought there was potential there but they just whenever we opened the box there were all kinds of surprises that weren't good ones mm. so when we saw the david austin varieties at the Hort Affair show in osmir that year we approached them and we said let's try this let's let's see how they do us cut flowers right. and that's how we started so we, we started a tiny plot of land where we had 10 of the david austin varieties growing and we would test them we had to figure out how to grow them and how to sell them right so we spent a couple of years uh, doing these tests and, and in that time we were able to find other suppliers with garden rose type products mm -hmm. to test and after three or four years we actually had a dozen varieties of garden roses that had the vase life and the ship life they needed right. to be cut flowers right and we started selling wow and since then, we've come a long way because um, we have 60 varieties now, and the entire cut garden rose market 
has evolved tremendously since then. We were the only growers for five years of this kind of thing. Right. Now you've got all kinds of things. You've got garden-like cut True. roses, which some breeders are doing, and they call them garden-like because they're not really garden roses. And we have other lookalikes, and we have all the, the, the entire industry has somehow realized that this is an important Right. product and that people are are looking at it and designing with it and so things have changed now you walk into a show and breeders have three or four varieties that are garden like before that didn't exist we had to we had to chase these varieties mm. all over the world wow we had difficulty finding them so what differentiates them as a garden rose like what is that defining factor? They all are grown in a garden. So why why that particular definition and how did that come about? Well, the the actual book definition of a garden rose is that one that survives the winter's frost. Ah, gotcha. Okay. So if you grow this rose in your garden and you're in Nebraska, it's going to survive until spring. The, the, a lot of the cut flowers varieties don't have that qualification that mm. quality so if you plant any of the varieties that that arrive in a box from colombia in your garden they will die at the first frost but garden roses tend to survive of course there are garden roses that survive better and others of not course. so good but that's in general the definition but we didn't we didn't go with that definition for alexander farms <laughs> uh, we went after the definition of beauty right. because who cares if they're in your vase whether the plant can survive the winter's frost or not what matters is that they're beautiful so we look for those old-fashioned shapes and, 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 and the shapes you look for mainly are the cup shapes, which means that instead of having the central petals taller than the side ones like a spiral, right. they have the central petals shorter than the side ones and they form a cup shape. Mm -hmm. And those old-fashioned shapes uh, were very attractive to us and we thought that the market would really like them. They're old-fashioned roses. Right. People have always loved that, even before we existed. And and then we looked, of course, for fragrance, uh, which has been bred out of commercially cut roses because it tends to make them shorter lived in the vase but there are exceptions there are varieties that we grow that are fragrant and have a vase life and right. that's 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 our niche that's where we go mm. uh, originally we didn't realize that our market was mostly wedding uh events and events because we thought we had a specialty type rose that could be used for anything but it turns mm -hmm. out that it's ingrained in the industry <laughs> that garden roses are for events right. um, so we had to grow the colors for weddings and events no oranges as often as and no yellows, very little reds. Um, now we've been able to convince many florists that our roses are great for vase work, right. that it, they differentiate them from the supermarket. Yes. Um, and so now we're starting to see a lot more use of our flowers for everyday work, right. which we're happy. Oh, I am. I am too. And um, you said a few things that are kind of important you know, oftentimes we kind of look back, okay, so how am I going to be different from a grocery store? They're selling orchids now. They're selling like specialty variety orchids at the grocery stores, you know, where it was a thing that you get from the florist. Um, but now the garden roses are sort of that very much uh, separation to where you can actually deliver and long lasting garden roses. And I have played with your particular garden roses many times. And I can say, honestly, they do have a great shelf life or vase life, you know, and I mean, Princess Charlotte is as fragrant as it is. It lasts a week. Princess Charlene. Charlene, Sorry. that's right. I keep, you know, I keep saying that. I've said that to my wholesaler and they keep correcting me and somehow it doesn't stay. Yes. It's, I wonder who Princess Charlotte is. Maybe some from know. your dreams maybe, or from a novel. Maybe another one. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. But so how do you guys come up with the names? But wait, no, let me go back to the part about, about, the, about the differentiation. Yes, uh, Because this is key. It, it, florists in the U.S., I have been living it for 10 years in a very difficult situation. They're, they're hard pressed by their supermarkets and the Walmarts and the big box stores next to them selling dozen roses for, for very little money. Well, they're trying to, to sell them in a vase with chip and green or with greens and other things. It, it, there's no competition in price. You cannot beat the, the So the only ways that florists can survive is by using their talents to design, mm -hmm. making great design work and using flowers that aren't available generally in the supermarket. Right. We can't help with the design. But we can certainly help with the flowers. And right. our David Austin, by definition, will never be sold in a supermarket. So you'll never be competing there. And most of our garden roses, if they ever do get into a supermarket, are very high end chains and in very small amounts. So it's not something that's going to. And the florist can really, you cannot compare True. a dozen garden roses 
uh, with regular ones. Okay. I mean, they're going to open up for you. They're going to be fragrant. They're going to, I think customers would really appreciate the difference. Oh, That's no. You're, no, you're that. good. I'm, I'm glad you actually shared that piece. <laughs> you, you know, the funny thing is I grew up with flowers just surrounding me all the time. You know, I'm from Armenia and for us, unlike in the US, flowers are a way of living. Just like we go buy bread, we buy bouquet of flowers and whatever's in season or whatever's blooming in the garden in our summer home or grandparents' home or neighbor's house or whatever, you know, and my grandma specifically had roses. Um, I think they're kind of known as tea roses or, you know, they're making more of, they're super fragrant and they, they very much had that cup shape, old fashioned cup shape smaller in size, but short, shorter stems. But if you cut one stem of that little flower and brought it in, the entire house smelled like that. And honestly, you know, garden roses are the first roses when I started doing flowers were the first time ever since I came to US and have been in US for some time, smell that again, like my grandmother's garden's roses, you know, and it's just nothing compares that. It's it's just so nostalgic and yeah, it, it smells like home to me in, in many ways. So I have a very, very different connection to them, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But everybody has an innate idea of what roses smell like. Yeah. And everybody smells the roses as soon as they're close to them. It's just a natural tendency. We all do that. And most of the time we feel disillusioned because there is no fragrance. Right. So when you finally get something, it's really remarkable. Right. It was. And it, in half of our varieties, you will get one. And you know that the fragrances are different. I know. Not all roses smell the same. I agree. And that's also a fascinating part of the business. Now, by design, as you're breathing them and doing, you know, your magical genetic slash growing alterations, if you will, I'm not, you know, um, or cross breathing or so on. Do you guys intentionally sort of plan on, okay, we can potentially create this look, but can we create a fragrance that we're desiring essentially? Is there such thing? Well, we're not breeders. We're only growers. Okay. We test the varieties that breeders create to see if they work in our markets and in our growing areas. I see what you're saying. The breeders do try to breed the characteristics that we're looking for into their roses. Mm -hmm. For many years, no grower has been looking for fragrance because the overriding requirement is long lasting in shipping. Right. Of course, because growers have been moving further and further away from the consumption areas, mm -hmm. where in the 30s and 40s, you've had gross growers surrounding New York for the New York market. Now you've got growers in Quito sending to Moscow and to Armenia and to all the ex-USSR nations, right. Right, the United States. So the further you are from the market, the hardier you need the rose to be. Right. And unfortunately, the characteristics that we like about roses are the opposite of what allow them to ship far. So a rose that ships far usually do doesn't open up in the vase. It just sits there. Right. It doesn't have a fragrance and it's not charming. And those are the exact qualities that we look for in a rose fragrance, performance in the vase, and they have charm. Mm -hmm. So the breeders do look for th it, it, they purposefully removed fragrance from the roses in order to get longer shipping right. lives. Now that we've come back and show, we, we said that we wanted to bring back the romance of fragrance and charm and, and performance. I think some growers are building it back in. I'm very happy to see that. And um, unlike lilies, when they're so fragrant that you're just like, okay, <laughs> one lily is plenty. Thank you. You know, roses are very different, you know, and um, it's it's always very subtle. It's always very sort of, yes, and nostalgic, really. Yeah. And romantic. I, I agree hundred percent. The thing that I can say though, my grandmother loved roses. So she had roses. And so as our summer house, we had quite a few of those garden rose varieties, not those particular ones, but just garden roses in general. I don't remember any of them having long stems. So that has to be some serious industry challenge, you know, making them grow long stem. But, the, but it is true. Even the garden roses we grow, we don't grow them above 50, maybe a right. few come out 60s, but most of our production is 40 centimeters. That's just one of the things that garden rose breeders were never looking for. They were looking for a pretty shrub, uh, not a long stem. True. Yeah. It's interesting. That's why they're short. It's interesting. But we're lucky region. that they're used for things that don't require length. <laughs> yeah. I like them. I like them at that length, actually, anyways, in the first place, you know, unlike the six foot tall red roses right, I've never right, met in right. person I still want to 
you know, fascinating, but fascinating. Not, not quite what I really am looking not for practical. or any of our clients really, you know, especially if you're doing events and weddings and things like that. So weather, how does that affect on color variations, even within the same breed, right? How hardy the flower is going to be, of course, is giving, but does it affect on the color variation as you, as you're breeding these flowers? One of the, the, the traditional breeders of roses, besides looking for shelf life, also looked for color fastness. Mm. So things like freedom or vandellas or any virtually any commercially available cut rose has the same color in all the places it's grown. Now, there's a couple of exceptions. Versilia grew in Ecuador a little bit more peachy than in Colombia, and the reds have more dark edging in Ecuador than in Colombia. But for the majority part, you get good color. Garden roses are different. Garden roses, by nature are fluctuating in color a little bit. It, it's weather related, it's temperature related, but it's genetics as well. Mm. So we have a variety called Constance, a David Austin variety. It's a beautiful cup shape that has pink blotches mm -hmm. with white around it. Every rose is different. Some are a little bit darker pink with white, some are a little bit lighter pink with white. Um, we, we make the bunch so that they're all very similar. Ah. But in the box, you might get a bunch that's lighter pink and a bunch that's a little bit darker pink. And, and of course, we say that that's the beauty of the garden rose, that this bridal bouquet is going to be different from anybody else's bridal bouquet because every rose is unique. Right. Uh, of course, we sometimes get into trouble because a person is expecting a certain tone of pink. True. Because that's what they bought last time and this time it's not it's not the same. But, you know, I think we've overcome that. I think people have come to get used to that. It used to happen in the beginning more than now. Now, I don't think, I think people have gotten used to that variation well, and they kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. I mean, my uh, learning experience was with quicksand, you know, every bunch was different and I'm like, you know what? Oh. We're just going to go with that. I mean, they all are beautiful and there's quite a bit of shade variation in that particular one that I've noticed, you know, as well. And I'm, you know, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to us educating our own clients and setting their expectations, right? AKA our own expectations, right? And not to call, you know, the wholesaler or the grower and be upset about it that, hey, this one is a bit darker than the one before that. So, you know, I, I totally understand. So, I, I grow a few flowers here and there, you know, I'm not a grower. I don't, I don't do that. Like I'm just, I have tiny little yard around the house things, but even those tiny little pieces that I grow, it is so complicated. It's so much work. <laughs> My goodness. Where are you located tonight? I'm in Maryland. Oh, you told me, so, right. Yeah, okay. So, so you have in winter. Maryland, so I have four seasons almost. Well, I right. call it more like a two season and a split second in between. Our fall and <laughs> spring seems super short, you know, but anyways, so, and I have a lot of deer. I have a lot of deer, oh. I have rabbits, and I have squirrels. So, you know, if I plant a tulip, if the squirrel didn't dig it, as soon as it starts growing, if the rabbit doesn't get to it, the deer's for sure going to eat it. So, you know, I can only grow so many Art. things. Yeah. Yes, of course. So what are some of the biggest challenges? Well, you know, oh, go ahead. Well, in Colombia, we have the perfect weather for, for, it's also in Ecuador. We have the perfect weather. It's spring weather all year. We sometimes, we used to have a rainy season and a dry season, but now that seems to have been mixed up. Right. Um, but the temperature's always warm in the day and cool at night, and that's the perfect temperature right. for flowers. Plus, Colombia is at 2,800 meters. So the quality of the roses is fabulous. It's it's the exact right place to grow roses. That's fantastic. And the same with Kenya because we're on the same latitude. Right. And of course, you'll, you'll notice that a lot of the world production is going to these places because of the weather. It's perfect. We don't need to heat our greenhouses. Right. We don't need to light them in the winter. Uh, we don't need to spray CO2 in them or anything. It's It's the appropriate place for sustainable rose growing. That's fantastic. Which, and you're right, the majority of the world's roses. That's where they're coming from. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you face as a oh. grower? <laughs> it's a loaded question, I know. Now, no, but now we have problems that we never imagined. We are growers of a, we are uh, our product is an agricultural product, so it depends on climate. So that's the first thing, right? So sometimes we have we have three weeks of garden roses specifically are affected. When you have three weeks of cold temperatures or you have uh, uh, gray days for more than three weeks, the flowers go dormant. They think it's the beginning of winter and they don't care if you have a Valentine's Day coming up or anything. They go dormant. So, so the climate is the first thing right? That's, that's a major challenge. Um, then you've got all of the logistics, right? We have, we're in an underdeveloped country and we have to refrigerate and cold chain our product into a developed country. And that's not always easy. Mm. There's airplane problems, airport problems. There was once a volcano in Iceland that 
sent ashes all over Eastern Europe, Western Europe, and we couldn't get airplanes in there. So we couldn't get our flowers there. I mean, any anything that happens in the world affects our ability to get flowers. There's a tsunami in, in Japan. Right. We couldn't, we couldn't export anything there for months. Wow. Well, and, of course, COVID. And I was going to say, uh, and COVID, you know? I'm sure, just derailed <laughs> everything. And we have, we have currency exchange rate fluctuation. Yes. So if the peso becomes strong, like it did for 10 years between 2000 and 2010, we had the same amount of dollars, but they were converted into less pesos. Right. So we have less to pay for the employees, less to pay for the fertilizer. Right. Now it, it's okay. It's, it's at a level that is sustainable, but you never know when it's going to go down. That's oh, another issue. And in the past two weeks, I don't know if you're aware, but in Colombia, we have these huge violent protests on the street. I heard. It happened in Chile and in Ecuador a few yeah. years back. Uh, in Colombia, we've never had it this bad. Really, it seems that that uh, very bad people took advantage of peaceful protests to start looting and burning and breaking. So much so that last week we were unable to ship one box of flowers. Really, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. All of those flowers went to the compost heap. Oh. Only Saturday were we able again to export. It, it's never happened. All these problems that we've had have never affected us as bad as. This uh, internal has. protest. Wow. Yeah, and Colombia is, 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 well, I mean, we have guerrilla, but we've, we, we are the longest standing democracy in South America. We're stable. We've never, we've always paid our bonds. Right. Uh, so we're a relatively stable, good country. And yet wow. this happened last week. Awful. That's that's so funny. I actually do have some family friends. They are Colombian uh, and, you know, they left the country Oof, years ago when the whole cartel situation was just in really bad place, you know, that's when they left the country and he took his family out of the country and came here with the kids or one child at a time and then the rest of them were born here. I've heard so many stories about how long Colombia came and they're like, you know, you can actually go there as a tourist. Yes, it is a still, you know, underdeveloped country. But it's actually safe, you know, um, just know what you're doing. Don't be stupid about your whereabouts, but you can actually go visit now. And um, now you're saying this, it's just kind of, oh, we've gone backwards. Right. It just seems that we've way a bit. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame. I, I'm, I'm hoping that it's temporary and things get back to normal very quickly. And it might be that we've we've been able to ship flowers since Saturday to now with not much of a problem, although right. we hear of some protests further away, crossing our fingers that things get back to normal and we we'll have a back a stable country again. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry to hear that. I oh, it, it's it's funny. You don't think about these things, right? So if I had a wedding and I couldn't get those garden roses, telling my bride, there are protests in Colombia and I couldn't get those <laughs> garden roses. They're going to look at you like you have five heads. But how, yeah. how incredibly interesting is that I knew about the protests in Colombia, again, through I have Colombian friends and, you know, I watched the news. But I didn't need garden roses, so I did not know it actually affected on the shipment. Would not even think yeah, about that. Well, well, in the States, you'll get from Ecuador, you get from Holland uh, of roses. But there will be a scarcity of roses now. People are probably not finding as many things as they would normally find because even yeah. supermarkets, they're not getting fed the regular amount of roses right now. Yeah. There's a little delay between us not shipping and the supermarkets not receiving. But we're starting saying. to get into that window where people are going to feel a scarcity. So there's scarcity from COVID and there's now there's scarcity from the protests. There's definitely this. Uh, crazy world uh, yeah well there's definitely this talk going around right now among florists about the flower shortage i've heard it over and over and over again i haven't had a problem procuring anything that i needed so is it a perceived shortage is this how real is this shortage really or are we just freaking well, out the like toilet the, paper? Uh, no, there's there's definitely a supply chain issue. Okay. Uh, the, and you can measure it by the prices in the auctions in Holland. Of course. They're, they've never been so high, which means that there's less supply than there normally is. Uh, it doesn't mean you won't get anything. It just means you have to be a little bit more flexible. And so the times when, when this white rose was preferable to this white rose well you know any white rose will do these days because you may not have so many choices so sure. i think that we're it isn't that there aren't going to be any flowers for us to buy it's just that we're gonna have to be a little bit more flexible in what we take um and it's not so bad because oh you know this white is actually nice <laughs> i haven't used it in a couple of years but it actually works well right. you know people will become more flexible by obligation and, and that'll be okay right. i hope they'll continue to be flexible because we are in a business that's agricultural and it and and, and international so that is 
That's things true. will happen and you may not always get what you want. Well, <laughs> you get also, what you need. I, I feel like also it'll actually push people to think outside of the box perhaps or their comfort zone. So sure. I expect sure. to see a little more creativity as well, you know, sure. sort of not right. falling back to the comfort place or what, you know, it's just kind of maybe pushing the envelope a little bit, you know? So I'm, I'm kind of not super sad about it. I am sad, however, all those flowers going in a compost. That's heartbreaking. I'm sorry. That's just not. And it's really bad for the psyche of the employees after all this oh, work. Yes. Of 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 planting and 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 cropping and growing and fertilizing and watering and cutting and packaging and then it all goes to the trash. It's awful. It's it hurts them so as much as it hurts us. Yeah, <laughs> I no, I bet. But I was going to say something about the, this scarcity will also, I think, help uh, florists and wholesalers work together. Mm. Um, unfortunately, it's it, it it sometimes it seems the relationship between the whole chain is is a confrontational relationship rather than a collaborational experience. So the florist is is trying to buy from the cheapest source, and oh, if you don't get it to me like that, I'm going to buy it somewhere. And and then the wholesaler is also looking at farms and saying, when there's a scarcity like this, we all come together. I mean, we start rowing at the same time because wholesalers kind of depend on the grower, the grower mm -hmm. depends on the wholesaler, and mm -hmm. the wholesaler the florist on them, and we all work together in a much smoother, better way. And right. so florists their information to the wholesaler they know it's going to have it in advance more in advance than before and and they work they buy most of their goods from the same wholesalers or they build a relationship and that might be good in in the long run yeah no i agree i i definitely agree i mean they're like example sake i i mean i have so many places to buy flowers from and I tend to go where the relationships are, not Excellent. the prices, really. Um, honestly, you know, I've been working with Potomac Wholesaler since the day I started. And in all reality, they were the only wholesaler when I walked in and I said, hey, I'm nobody. And I kind of want to explore flowers and see if I want to do this perhaps as a business. They were the only ones. They're like, not a problem. Come on in. I'm like, well, I know nothing. I know that's a rose, that's a carnation. That's just about how I know. And they literally took me under their wing and every question I had, and I've had such positive experience. For me, you know, I don't care if I'm going to pay a few dollars more to them compared to perhaps another wholesaler that I can't potentially work with, that I have no relationship with, you know, or local growers, right? I'm, I'm there. There's so many local farms here that are growing amazing tulips and dahlias and all peonies and so on. You know, there's few of them that I absolutely adore, but I love what they do. And it costs much more to buy flowers from them than it is from the wholesaler or another um, cheaper source. But it, again, it goes back to the relationship. It really does. I mean, for me at least, you know. So yeah. Anyways, and it makes me feel good Our that they're being supported. Key. Absolutely. You have to trust. You have to trust your supplier and that comes with relationships. Yep. 100%. Well, Joey, I want to segment into your cool, exciting things coming up. Let's talk about your contest. Well, we're really excited. This I is going to be the it. third year. Yeah. Is it the third year or the fourth? I think it's the fourth. Uh, we had it <laughs> last year during COVID and, we're, and we were successful. Lots of people submitted stuff, which was great. Fantastic. We didn't expect that much. And this year we're doing it again. And it's a, it's, I think it's a great excuse to just design with garden roses for fun. <laughs> I Not to the set, not to the bride's taste, but to your own taste and submit that. Um, we expect 300 or 400 submissions. Uh, that's what we've had in the past. Wonderful. The, the judges are David Austin himself, myself. And um, I don't know if I think Holly is going to be our, okay. our other judge. Fantastic. Yeah. And so we get to see all kinds of great creative ways people use garden roses. I've seen horses decorated with their mane full of, of garden roses. Nice. I've seen just tremendous things. And it's really fun for us to do that. We get lots of uh, media for our social media mm -hmm. needs. Um, it's great fun. And it's it starts now. You can get the information on our webpage and it ends June 15th, I think. Yep. And then and then we do a, a, a short triage where we select maybe the top 100 and then the judges vote in a blind test nice uh, and then and then we announce the winners and the winner the first prize is a trip to the farm which we hope i don't think we'll be able to do it this year but we hope we'll be able to do it next year um and it's a really fun trip you get to see the people that actually grow the flowers and you uh, we set up a big room full of all of our new varieties because we're going to ask the, the the winner which ones they like which ones they don't like why if this color is nice so mm. they become part of the selection process 
of our new right. varieties, which is fun for them and great for us because we learn every time a designer comes to our to right. our farm. Oh, um, and we used to have all of our regular varieties out there so they could just design and do work and it's a lot of fun and then the other the second and third prize winners get a bunch of stems of garden roses for whatever so, so I think it's I fun I competed in one of them it was when you guys sent two pack I think two bunches of yes. garden roses yes it was I'll tell you it wasn't even just a, the thing of competing. It was just a thing of like opening that box straight from the farm in those beautiful <laughs> flowers in it. It was just so fantastic. And you get to choose what you wanted. I mean, as a designer, it doesn't get any better. I mean, that was just the best thing, best feeling ever opening that box. It's like, I don't care if I win. This is so exciting. It's like, oh, you know, that you know that show. I think we're giving we're giving the top um. We're giving the, the, the those twenty that we select are getting some free flowers. All everybody's getting forty eight free 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 flowers. Yeah. Ah. Well, you know, it's it's really cool for us too to get these new varieties into your hands because the chain is so long that when we have something sure. new, sometimes the, the the people we want to see it don't see it for a long time. So this is a way of getting our flowers into the hands right. of people that we want to show them to. Oh, that's so exciting! I cannot wait, and I actually love seeing those entries too. You know, when people are especially when oh, the leading up great. to like the top ten and kind of starts heating up, it's fantastic. So if you're listening and you haven't submitted yet, oh my goodness, just do so. Give yourself an excuse to go and buy a bunch of garden rows and play with it, really. Oh, and, and you know that we've set it up in such a way that it is during wedding season. So if you have a wedding and you there use you garden go. roses, take a picture of that and send it in. You don't have to create something just for us. You can Fantastic. use something you've done before. It's okay. And here I have the information on it. It's uh, there's, two, there's two categories. There's everyday work mm -hmm. and there's wedding work. Fantastic. It starts on, on now and it ends on June 15th the, last uh, the first mm -hmm. the first prize is a all expense paid trip to alexander farmers in colombia mm -hmm. the second prize is a thousand stems of garden roses third place is 500 stems then there's a reader choice award for a thousand stems and then the top 20 finalists each one gets 48 stems of garden oh roses God. for free okay so whew, think about this for a minute you guys so, Holly Chapel, Joey, and, and David Austin fantastic. are the judge. So now think about this. Like, this is for you, my dear listener. All you have to do is just literally buy one bunch of roses, garden roses specifically. Go play, have fun with that. And then you may go to farm or get 1,000 roses or 500 or even 48. Think about the things you can do with that. <laughs> I mean, really. And honestly, just it supports the industry as a whole, you know, it uplifts the industry and awareness about the flowers and all of that. It's just, it's just so much fun. And I love com competitions. I just do. And the, the garden roses don't have to be from Alexander Farms. We're, we're, we're trying to promote the garden rose in general. So you can use your favorite garden rose. As a matter of fact, if you have a favorite garden rose that we don't grow, I want to know about it. <laughs> so use that. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. I think one of my absolute favorite is um, the golden mustard. I just, just, it's, you know, that's, that's, um, it's the color is fabulous. And that's it why is. we grow it. And on the label, it says hybrid tea rose because it's not a garden rose. Oh, is it really? That's actually, that was actually bred for the commercial greenhouse, but no. the color was so remarkable and it fit into our wedding line so much that we planted it. And of course, when we, when we grow a non-garden rose and we have three or four of them, we we cut it at a point of cut that's very open. Mm. We package it in a special way so that they don't get damaged in the trip. But when they're very open, you can see the color better and they will perform in the vase better. Oh, very nice. So our golden mustard is different from other people's golden mustard. But 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 I, I and, and we do label them as hybrid tea roses on the label. So we're not tricking anybody. No, no problem. I, I absolutely <laughs> just love the color. And the ones it's that I've color. been getting, I've gotten them. They were specifically from your farm and they're fantastic roses. And I just, yeah, I really feel like it's one of the under rated ones though it's it's the one, the one that doesn't get showcased quite as much and you know and again it kind of leans towards the more of the rustic oranges and things like that which is not the most weddings really but so that's so exciting but but skin colors are very much in fashion and and oh, yeah. the, the the story there is that when when i'm part of the committee that selects varieties right and so when we see when we saw these dirty muddy colors or skin tone colors we say ooh, what does it get married with that it's not white it's not creamy it's it's so one 
one of the times when we had influencers at the farm and maybe it was Holly and others that they, they started looking at these trials and they started being attracted to these colors. And we were like, no, 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 that's no, no, don't look at that. That's not that's no, we've already rejected. And they would no, no, these are the ones we want you to grow. So we were late onto the party of the of these colors. But now we're launching a bunch of varieties in those in that color range. Right now we have three Wabara spray roses that are in those tones Ooh. in the market. They're launched this year. They're brand new. They're beautiful. I'll send you pictures. Please um, do so. I have not seen them yet. Yes, yes they're brand new. fantastic. They're on our webpage already, but we haven't really shipped Ooh, too many of them out I've, there. I've, and then we have a bunch of other. We've got Quicksand, of course, and we've right. got Amnesia, and we've got Tiara. And these are all regular roses, but the colors are very wedding-oriented. Right. Um, Westminster Abbey is coming up yes. now. That's a, a silver brownish color. I absolutely love the, the tone on that. Sahara Sensation is a, is a sand color. Yeah. So we've, we've really built a little collection around these sand colors. That sounds so, so it's going to be fun to, to use them for yeah. this wedding season. Oh my God. I still want to visit your farm even more now. <laughs> this is just <laughs> funny. So Joey, you ha- you're working on, of course, you guys are always working on this fun project. So I know you're collaborating with Holly and you guys are creating some really interesting, I'm going to let you talk about it. Yeah, I'm really excited about this because everything, everything that we've ever done to get closer to designers and people that use our product has been mutually beneficial. Of course. Designers are thrilled to learn more about how the varieties work, how they smell, why this, and we're thrilled to learn what they're using them for and what colors they like. And it's just a great thing to work closer together. And so Holly and I came up with an idea to have, a, she has a platform to train florists in different things. So we came up with a program and we're going to film it later this summer. We're going to talk to people specifically about garden roses and we're going to, we're going to certify them as garden rose designers mm. after they take this course. And the course is divided into three parts. One part is the farm and the flowers, mm-hmm. right? So who's Alexander Farms? Uh, not so much that as about the varieties themselves. So which is our most white? Which is our most fragrant? Mm. Which is our largest head, our smallest head? So that forests really get an understanding. We have 60 varieties and there's a test at the end. So this is going to be hard work. <laughs> They're going to have to answer questions about as if a bride were asking them, oh, I want this color. I want that. Color. Mm-hmm. I want this fragrance. I want this shape. And so flowers are going to get to know the variety. Mm-hmm. The second part is care and handling. Garden roses require a little bit more tender love and care than regular ones. So how do you do if you're in the desert without a cooler? What do you do if you need to open them fast because you, they're, they arrived late? All of these issues will be in the part of the care and handling so that you feel comfortable working with them and you can work with them in different environments. And then the last one is more holly, and that has to do with how to design with garden roses, how to make them be the queen of the arrangement, what other flowers to use along with them, whether what colors go well together, and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. that's the three-part Alexander Farms Garden Rose Design Certificate that we're working on. And it'll be open to uh, any florists around the world, um, and they'll once they're graduates, they'll appear on our webpage as design as, as certificate holders. And so brides that come to our website can search in their areas to see which which designer. And we're going to probably have some sort of um, of club, a buying club, so that they'll buy through the regular wholesalers, but they'll get points from us somehow and mm-hmm. either free stems or trips or something. Um, we hope to make it a little community. Very nice. Alexander Farms Design that is, Certificate Hold. That's very exciting. That's something I'm very new. Excited it's, about very, it. it's very different. I haven't heard of anything similar to that that is sort of happening in industry. So I'm really excited to see how that's going to there's so much there's so many florists out there that 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 love flowers but haven't had a formal training on Karen handling our Karen handling for garden roses is going to apply to a lot of different flower types right so this is a way of us helping the industry provide their customers with better flowers longer lasting flowers better kept flowers very nice thank you joey so what are the one of the biggest mistakes that you see that consumers aka the florist consumers do as they purchase their garden roses because they well, are very different com- in in handling obviously than the regular rose a, a lot of times either because they're not knowledgeable about certain varieties or because they're scared that garden roses might not last very long. A lot of times I see florists use our garden roses in a very tight blooming point mm. and they hardly have any value at that point because they're not large, they're not fragrant and they're not beautiful. Mm. So so it's a shame to see people spend 
a lot of money on a stem of garden roses and then just have it in a bread bouquet as a very insignificant part of it. Um, we urge people to receive the flowers on Wednesday for a Saturday event, put them on in, in, in a cooler overnight. And then Wednesday, take them out of the cooler and let them open. Um, there's, a, there's a cardboard wrap that comes in the bunches. Once they're put in water for a couple of hours, you can take that wrap off and let them let them open and grow. Um, if on Thursday you're scared, oh my God, they're opening up too quickly, then you put them back in the cooler and you slow the process down. And the cooler shouldn't be at 55. The cooler should be at 35. Okay, 40, but no more than 40. A lot of floors have coolers. At 55, it's, oh, I have a cooler. No, 55 is not cold. 55 is regular. <laughs> and then and then on Friday, make the designs or on Saturday, make the designs. And then you've got these beautiful, you know, large roses that are showing their cup shape and their fragrance. And, and that's getting a bang for your buck. And that's part of, the, of course, the the, the certificate. That, that we're, and, and certain varieties open up a little faster than others. All the information is on our webpage. But once you once you get familiar with it, um, you can even order varieties that you know open quickly when you don't have enough time, and varieties mm. that open slowly when you do have enough time. So true. So true. Thank so that's, you. I think, the, the the biggest mistake. So so true. Yeah, I I made that mistake first time ever. <laughs> I got I laid my hands on it was patience out of all flowers and. It bruised so fast and I never, I, I knew white flowers are delicate. And so when I was like 10 years ago, you know, I was so new to this as well. I almost cried. <laughs> just like, I paid so much money for this 12 roses and they're dead and I killed them. <laughs> so, you know, and I couldn't even blame anybody. I knew it was me who uh, really didn't handle them correctly, you know, and out of all ones, I feel like they're, they're by far the most delicate ones, it seems at least to me, you know. Well, in this in this program, you learn about all the different white options you have. And Patience is a beautiful option, but it's one of a, a series of others. For example, in the David Austin line just came out with a Leonora white rose. That's fabulous. It's much hardier than the Patience is. And when that's open, it's just so beautiful that maybe you're going to go for that one if you know that it exists. True, so true. Now, Patience is good for certain things and it has a better fragrance than Lenora. It's just a, a spicy licorice kind of English rose smell. It's fantastic. And if you get the Patience to open up by treating it like we're going to teach you it's beautiful yeah for sure i mean i love them all honestly i don't i don't yeah i, I don't think there is a single one that i can say eh yeah, I, I, there, there isn't one. I mean, they all have their own little unique personalities, if you will, you know? They do. Yeah, they, they really they do. do. And there's a story to each one. Everyone has a story of how we got it or how we named it or a lot of things. And, and, and that brings me to Princess Miyuki is one of our most important white roses. Mm. And Miyuki is the name a Japanese uh, uh, customer uh, recommended because it means first snow and it's a white rose. And so now that you know that and you look at it, I think it's it's more meaningful to you because you know That's that true. it means first, not the second or the third snow. No, the first snow of the season. And that's the color of Miyuki. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that neat? That's, that's <laughs> and it happens really, to be a rose bread. That's just, yeah. It makes it all, all that much more magical. It yes. really does. I mean, it really, really does, you know. And they oh. all have these stories. Thank you. Princess Maya. Maya means night rain, which mm. is also amazing because it's not rain. It's night rain. And the Japanese have that sensibility to uh, a night rain is very different than a day rain. A night rain, you're in, you're at home, you're warm, and outside it's a relaxing rain. Well, in the day rain, it's you have to get to work and umbrellas, right? Night rain is a different feeling. That's true. And true. Princess Maya comes from a breeder on the mountains above Hiroshima in Japan. And from the nursery, you have a view of the South China Sea or something that's not South China, but it's another ocean that's blue, but it has mountains, islands of green. In It's fabulous. Mm. And that's where Princess Maya comes from. Joey, I have a suggestion. <laughs> I think you should write a book <laughs> about the story of the rose. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll dictate and you write. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> now, you know, okay. And, and let me tell you why I'm saying this. You you're talking about the story of a rose, you know, but you're talking about it in, with such passion and such attention to detail and love. It's kind of like, I'm like sitting here geeking out watching you talk about this. I'm like, I want to listen to this more. Like, I want to know the story of every single one of those roses. It just, <laughs> this is so interesting. I, I really, I'm not even kidding. I think you know, I think you guys should release the story of the rose. Well, we've always wanted to, to, to write a book, but the book has two parts to it. 
One is about the flowers, the roses and these stories. But the other part is what designers do with them. Mm. And that is that is like the completion of the story. The other side of the coin, the the, the, the whole sphere requires the designer to be a part of it. Right. And when we worked with Tomas at the farm on the EMC project or when oh, we work yeah. with Holly or, or Sarah Campbell – you, you could they bring to life our our roses in 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 a in a beautiful way mm. and we both need to work together. They can't do it without our roses and we can't design without them. And so when you put them both together, it's really magic. Mm. And so the book would have both things. I'm waiting. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about EMC, as you mentioned, EMC. So let's just dive right in. So you are going to be one of the presenters at their very first inaugural event, the EMC Go Live coming up in June. I'm so excited. And uh, I know you have been supporting EMC from the beginning. When I was doing my EMC, you know, there were always garden roses. And there were always garden roses specifically from Alexander Farm. I mean, really have been. So you've been supporting education, you know, and the growth of the industry from the beginning. So, but talk to us a little bit about the whole EMC event that field trip that happened in the farm. Go ahead. I will tell you all about it. I'd love to, and I can send you some pictures and, and videos. So yes. we we've been working with EMC for a while. We always send them flowers for their for their training programs with their with their with their students and with their teachers. And one day, Tomas and I were talking, and he was mentioning that he wanted to do a workshop with his core trainers and his core designers. And I said, Why don't you come to Bogota and do it? And he said, Yes. <laughs> so we made a list of things he needed: vases and tubes and plastic butterflies and all these things and we flew them down and we, we we took a bus to the farm every morning and we worked together we had all 60 varieties arranged for them to just pick and choose whatever they wanted we had all the vases we could come up with in another in another table we had all the new varieties in another table where they can help us pick and choose which ones they like. Um, and then the final project was designing this beautiful fountain we made some wire structure around it and then he must have put the whole group put 3000 flowers in tubes hung to this mesh around a fountain and then rather than get the plastic butterflies we found a, a place that gave us live butterflies oh right there mariposa de colombia we couldn't believe it and so we brought these down and you know that when you put butterflies in the cooler they stay very still they go into like a hibernation thing but then when you take them out they become much more active so we took them right out of the cooler and and while they were a little bit drowsy we set them around the, the fountain and then we had this amazing moving floral butterfly design that was just incredible and yeah. we have a video showing how we built it and, and lots of pictures with the butterflies oh and then the butterflies are gone two or three well some of them stay there for two or three days but then they're gone and then the, the flowers wilt and it's over oh. <laughs> and yet there's that video that lives which if you send that over we'll share this and Great. i've seen that video um through emc Great. um and it was just mesmerizing how beautiful all that came together and you know so so you'll be one of the presenters at emc and of course you know considering that you've been supporting floral education in general and emc specifically i'm sure that was such an easy yes you know almost no brainer but uh can you tell us a little bit about what you'll be talking about you know and what was really the driving factor for you to be joining this live event? Well, I, I love Tomas and I always want to support him and his and his things. I mean, remember that in, in, in my view, designers are a key part of my team. The way we're going to sell beautiful garden roses is with designers that make beautiful arrangements. So I'm, I, I feel like I'm part of the team that's going to take these flowers to the consumer. And Tomas is one of them. Right. Uh, so I'm thrilled to be able to support him. I think that the show is more about post-COVID world not so much about garden roses right. and of course it's a crystal ball what the post-covid world will be i hope that all of the good things that came out from the covid like people buying more flowers in the united states for their homes uh, people valuing relationships more right. um, and appreciating their health more uh, will last for a long time but you never know 
Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to the event. There's a, a, a few very interesting speakers and we'll hear perspectives from all over the world. One of the great things about AMC is that they're so worldwide, right? So you get perspectives from everywhere. I'm very excited. I'm going to be on a different panel uh, at yours, uh, you know, talking about the smaller, more intimate wedding side of things. So I'm very excited about the event coming up. And a date correction, it is July 13 and 14. And uh, I somehow have it ingrained in my brain. It's June for some strange reason. It is July 13 and 14, and we'll have it all in the links there for you guys. But be sure to get the tickets. Be sure to join this event because it is truly one of a kind. It is international. I mean, when I looked at the lineup, people from all over the world, if nothing else, just to get all that perspective from everyone, it's worth the admission price. So, well, Joey, anything else in parting? Again, I mean, where people can find you and anything else you would like to share with our flower friends? Well, we did launch this year our spray rose collection, which is pretty neat because we didn't have spray roses before. And mostly we did it because we found some colors in sprays that we didn't have mm. in singles. And uh, our Wabara line has three of those that are terrific. I think I talked about that already in this podcast. No, you did not. You listened uh, was... briefly, but yes, actually, I do. I did want to ask you about the spray roses outside of the podcast. But you know what? If I have that question, somebody <laughs> else has it. So please, you tell. <laughs> I've only seen one variety at our wholesaler, um, to be honest with you. But which one? Uh, it was a. Um, it, it almost looked like Green? an espresso. No, it looked almost like an espresso brown ish. It was Probably like, Sola. Maybe in the Wabara brand. I don't remember the. I don't remember. Uh, the name specifically, but it was very uh, toffee, but like lighter colored than toffee, almost looking. Bisola. It was beautiful. I was mad. I'm like, that's a spray rose? What? So yeah, I have not seen the rest of the varieties. So I'm going to go check it out next. You so know. All three of the Wabara spray roses that we yeah. launched are in these uh, uh, taupe and brown and sandy skin yeah. color things. And the three of them are beautiful. They're brand new. And then we have a white called Blanche and we have a pink called Wedding Rose Ever that are spray roses but they're garden-like. They have a special shape or a fragrance. Um, so those are the five main spray roses, but we have a, a sixth, which Ooh. is called Midori. It's a green variety that nobody likes but me. Oh, I probably it's... will like it once I see it. <laughs> I usually well, like flowers that nobody I, else does. Well, I, I hope there's lots of us out there because uh, I think it's a it's a bright green chartreuse spray rose Ooh. that you can mix with any color and it brings out colors. I, I think it's just a matter of time before people appreciate it. So it's still part of our line, even though nobody's given us too too much positive feedback hmm. yet. Okay, so point taken. I'm going to see if I can get my hands on one of those. Okay. All right. What was the name of the green one again? Midori. It's called Princess Midori. It's princess the princess Midori. line. Okay. And Midori means green in Japanese. Right. Okay. So it's Midori. All right, then. Thank you, Joey. This was a wonderful conversation. I literally feel like I can ask you all kinds of questions. I can talk to you all day about it. Like I said, I really want to <laughs> hear the 60 tales about the roses. <laughs> you know, truly, it, it this has been a honor and I really enjoyed it. Uh, having conversation with you and thank you for your time. Oh, it was really. my pleasure. And there's hours more of stuff. I ever want to talk, follow up again. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I will hold you up. When you come down to the farm, we'll have a chance yes. to talk. Yes. Oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> thank you, Joey. Okay, guys. So that was it. So now hurry up and go get yourself a bunch of garden roses and design something fabulous and send your submission for this contest, okay? I don't even know how to say this, and I just want to kind of stand up at the highest point and scream from the top of my lungs. If nothing else, it's a great opportunity for you to perhaps do something you've never done before, right? Challenge yourself a little bit, and in return, you may visit the farm. If not, you may get some roses. So you know what? On that note, um, be sure to check out all the show notes to the EMC sign-up link and the farm their all their fabulous roses, their new varieties of spray roses. And also we're going to share the video of the EMC butterfly extravaganza that uh, they all had to experience for you to see. On that note, be sure to re leave us a review, share it with the friends, and I'll talk to you next time. Well, it's a wrap. Thank you everyone for listening, for tuning in to Viva La Flora Live podcast. We'll see you next week. 